We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. I freight your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Tommy R. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. Hello, what's up? This is Jacob. I'm joined today. It's just two of us, Taylor and I. Taylor, what's going on? Blow it up. I am no longer a Thunder fan. Oh, great. Here we go. Such a team. Here we go. Fire Sam Presti. I hope he goes to LA. Oh, I thought you about to say, I thought you said he hope he goes to hell. And oh. I was like, Jesus. No, I, I was quoting some things I saw on Twitter over oh, the past dude. Hours, and, uh, uh, I, I didn't see I didn't see go to hell, but I think we got pretty close. Yeah. I've had to <laughs> avoid Twitter. So we're here. This is it's Wednesday night. We are it's about twenty four hours since tip off of game two. We've had 24 hours to, to decompress. Uh, Thunder lose game two against Portland, 114 to 94. The series is now, the Thunder are down zero to two games as it shifts back to Oklahoma City Friday night. Uh, Thunder will play in Oklahoma Thank City Friday God. night. And then Easter Sunday night for a chance to, to try to get back in this series. Taylor and I are going to spend a few minutes breaking down kind of our thoughts of game two because we have three straight days of podcasts for you guys. We have Taylor and I today. Tomorrow, we'll have a special guest on the podcast, talk about the series and some of the other NBA series going on right now. And then Friday, after game three, uh, Taylor's coming down to Oklahoma City from Tulsa. Uh, Nick and Justin are coming up to Oklahoma City from Dallas. And so we will have a big group podcast Friday after the game as well. So lots of content coming your way. 
Taylor, let's just go ahead and and jump into this and try to unpack this game and talk Thunder fans off the ledge, get the knife out of their hand, um, maybe get the keyboard warriors to chill out on Twitter a little bit. Um, so yeah, let's just jump into it. What's your what's your first thought? What do you what do you want to talk about? So really, I just I'm gonna throw uh, really four and a half things I think that stood out the most to me. Obviously, there's others. Um, and I'm just going to give a quick overview of that. You can pick whatever one you want and we can kind of dive into it. But these are like kind of four and a half, like I said, things that kind of like themes. Re- yes. Uh, okay. Well, four themes and then one thing kind of incorporates into that. Okay. You know, the first being bad Russell. This was the epitome of last playoff series, Russell Westbrook. This is the Russ that we were worried about coming into this series, playing against somebody like Dane, who he just, uh, they're both so competitive. They obviously always go head to head, uh, kind of butt heads because they're com- competitiveness. And also <laughs> you have the whole like, yeah. <laughs> um, and also how they both were number zero. They're both point guards, elite point guards. Uh, they okay. each try to out the other. <laughs> I miss the sounder. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so he let Dame, he let Portland, he let the refs get in his head, and we had absolutely bad rust, which we can touch on. Okay. And obviously the other thing, uh, role players, this isn't something new, okay. unfortunately. Yeah, I think you know, two is one. role players. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, know, you have Jeremy, you have Ferg, you have Shooter, and then you have some positives like Keith and Noel. But something within that I think is like the pressing mold. And no, I'm not saying fire Presti when I mention this. We've mentioned the pressing mold on this podcast, uh, length, versati- versatility, and athleticism. This is the second straight year in the playoffs where this uh, style play, this mold seems to potentially be failing or not working against some of these teams, particularly when it comes to playoff time. Now, I'm not saying it's time to completely give up on it yet because obviously there's a lot of games left in the series to be played. Um, but that's something at least should be considered. And uh, particularly when you have this window of Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and maybe Stephen Adams, you know, we'll see what happens uh, in, in the in the future uh, with them locked up long term. So that's kind of my my half. That's why I said four and a half. Then you have Paul George. He doesn't seem right still. And when we've said he doesn't seem right, it kind of we're talking about injuries. But I actually watching him last night it's not even the injury part because you could look at his stats and see that he shot the ball much better and seemed a little more like himself but even on the defensive end it seems like his first step maybe is a little more slow and he's such a streaky player i think like an injury or the all-star break can really kind of throw him off his game and he's kind of going through a cold streak right now um and so he just seems off and then finally lots of fouls and you, you tweeted a lot about that last night on our, on our account so those are kind of it's kind of my overview uh what do you want to dive in first let or what do you think maybe was the biggest factor of last night's loss so, so maybe not the biggest factor of last night. I, I think it arguably could be, but I think the the biggest factor of of the series so far. Um, so, so my options are bad Russ, role players, fouling, and what's wrong Paul with PG? George? You're right. Okay, yeah. can I throw a or fifth even one? just him being off? Yeah, yeah. Can I throw a fifth thing in there? And we'll yep. have five. Um, the fifth thing I think kind of ties back into those role players, but I want to I want to bring it up. Um, shooting, perimeter shooting. Um, so, but let's let's dive into right. role players first because I think that's, to me, that's the most glaring one. Um, so let's take last night for example. Um, Jeremy Grant, thirty minutes, one of seven from the floor, uh, four rebounds, one block, five points, was a minus twenty six. Terrence Ferguson, thirty po- or thirty minutes last night. Uh, three of nine field goals. Which uh, I will say is better. Yeah. He only had like, what, 16 in the first game. I'm yep. glad he got his minutes back up. Uh, three rebounds, seven points on three of nine shooting. So Grant and Ferguson combined four of 16 
for 12 points. Um, Ferguson was a minus 16. Dennis Schroeder, 21 points. Or, God dang it. Sorry, not 21 points. That'd be incredible. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, that's, 21 that's a minutes. lot better than I thought. Yeah, 21 minutes. Two of five from the field. Uh, one rebound, two assists, seven points. Uh, a minus 16 on the game. So if you add Schroeder into that mix, two, two of five and three of nine is five of 14. Uh, add Grant into that mix, that's six of 21. So those three guys went six of 21 for the game. Um, for a combined total of 19 points, uh, that ain't good. Not at all. And 19 then points I, on 21 shots is, is pretty awful. It's, yeah, terrible. And first of all, I think their their three point pers- uh, their three point shooting as a team from game one was the lowest in playoff history for any single team. And then I think there I had a screenshot. Let's see, I took today that was on ESPN. Um, NBA postseason history, worst three-point field goal percentage in a two-game span. The Thunder are now in first place of that, which is not something you want to be in first place of, with 16.4% from three, 10 of 61 from the four, and those total are yeah. from three in well, those I, I, games. I couldn't figure out how, like, how to articulate it, like how, how to word it in a tweet, but if you take the Thunder's three-point percentage from game one, okay, you take that number, which was like 16, and yep. you add it, to not not average it, you add it to the Thunder's three point percentage in Game Two, which was seventeen point nine. You add those two numbers together, it still doesn't get up to their season average from three. Ugh. You add those two numbers together, and it's like thirty three percent. And for the season, they shot like thirty four and a half percent from three. So that's how bad the three point shooting is. Um, and, and so, like I said, those those two themes that we had, role players and three point shooting, kind of go in together. Um. Yeah, the role players have just been bad, and and we kind of talked about this in, in our Slack a little bit. Uh, I think we've touched on it a little bit on Twitter, but role players always play better at home. So you yep. have to hope that shifting back to Oklahoma City, you'll see Jeremy Grant and Terrence Ferguson and and Dennis Schroeder play better. And then on the flip side of that, maybe you see a guy like Mo Harkless, who's a role player for Portland, um, Seth Curry, who's a role player for Portland, maybe. Uh, not play as well as role players on the road. Um, what I will say, though, and if you listen to our preview podcast, our, pre- our playoff preview with Brandon and Keith of the Trailcasters, I said that I thought Portland had the clear advantage with the bench. Um, every bench player for the Thunder was a plus in the plus minus, except for Schroeder. Noel a plus two, Morris a plus six, um, Felton a plus 11. Yeah, right? I mean, so, I would say I think the best stretch of the game last night was arguably during that second quarter. Yeah, when the definitely. Bench, the whole bench unit was in with PG. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, PG didn't even do a whole lot with that bench unit uh, other than play some decent defense. Definitely. I mean, they, I they mean, looked great. When you, Shooter when you, was super aggressive on Dame. Sorry. Yeah, um, no, like, no, like, yeah. And, and, and when you look at, like, Morris and Noel, uh, Morris played 13 minutes, Noel played 15. They combined five of yep. nine from the field. They combined for 11 rebounds two assists, a steal, three blocks, and 15 points. And I, I tweeted this out at halftime. Jeremy had two points and two rebounds at halftime. He was just getting eaten alive, and he has the past two games essentially down low. He's not the best rebounder, so why not try a guy like like Morris and start him maybe at the end of the second half, and let or at the beginning of the second half, sorry, and let him 
battle with some of those guys down low, try and get some rebounds, and then you can space them on the offensive end and try to get some outside open shots with PG and yeah. and Russ penetrating. And then, you know, you can throw Jeremy back in once you've spaced the floor a little more. But um, I don't know. I mean, Jeremy's really hasn't played well these first two games. Yeah, that's, I think that's right, the biggest thing that, to me is, is Jer- like, we know Ferguson's in his second year. He's 20. He's a little up and exactly. down. But Jeremy Grant has been like a staple for this team all year long. His shooting, his ability to attack closeouts, to get to the rim, to get fouled, uh, to finish. And he just, it, he's kind of disappeared these first two games. It's like he's hes kind of, you know, just like fallen into the background. And so he I almost re- seems like extremely nervous. And I, yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying too. about like, thank God he's going home. Like he yeah. should play better. Him and Ferg both should be a little more confident and feel a little more like a, almost like a regular season game at home, except with yeah. a much lot of crowd, I mean, more stakes, obviously. Do you, but do you know what Jeremy like, Grant averages point-wise on the season? Uh, I do not, but I can look it up. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, cool. You're, you're well, welcome people at home listening to the podcast that are like, we know how much it is. You can hit the, the skip ahead 15 seconds button. Yeah. Jeremy <laughs> not, Grant on Basketball Reference. Hey, Basketball Reference, if you want to sponsor our podcast, that'd be cool because we use your guys' shit all the time. Uh, Jeremy Grant averaging 14 points a game this season on 50% shooting, 39% from three. Yeah, that's what I was going to tell you to, to look at next. It's he had five heavy. tonight, so he was about 10 below his average. You know, that's that's a huge, huge, huge difference. So role players, not good. Shifting well, back it, to well, Oklahoma City, well, we hope they, they get more in a groove and a rhythm. And and the hope is they get in a rhythm in Oklahoma City, and then they can take it back on the road uh, in Game 5 in Portland. One more thing I was going to point out, this time with Ferg, is uh, fouling. He obviously struggled in Game 1 with fouling. He struggled Game 2 with fouling. You can't blame him much because, like you said, he's a second-year player playing in the playoffs against one of the best shooting guards in the league in C.J. McComb. And he's done a decent job at times, but he's struggling to stay on the floor Fortunately, he was able to kind of he got four early fouls or he got his fourth foul early in the second half and was able to stay on the floor from there, which was really big. He ended yeah. up playing 30 minutes compared to 16. But this is where it'd be really nice to have that guy named Andre Robertson yeah. <laughs> healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just changes. I mean, I think Ferg's done completely. great on, on yeah, McCollum right, all right. year in the four games they played. And then McCollum's just that's eat, a good point. Eating him up in this series. Um, all right. So let's move on to another theme. Uh, I, I chose that one. So, Taylor, you choose the next. Um. I think another th- – honestly, this might have been one of the biggest things was was Russ. And I'm sure our listeners have heard a lot of podcasts and read a lot of things. I mean Twitter this morning from national media, uh, national Twitter, NBA Twitter was just absolutely brutal. I mean they were just yeah. going after Russ's throw. A bunch and of Matt people Moore are shitting on Russ, and, and rightfully right. so. He had an awful right. game. He had a terrible game. Um, and, I mean they, they didn't stand a chance with Russ playing the way he was. And like I said, like he really honestly just let Dame and the whole competition thing get to his head. Um, he was frustrated to begin with because the referees, he, he wasn't getting fouls. Yeah, he, um, he wasn't getting foul calls, which I thought were, and the way this game was officiated with 54 fouls in 48 minutes with, right. a, with a very tight whistle and blowing the whistle and a lot of contact, I thought that there was a lot and of a fouls night, on Russ that weren't getting called. And like you said, a night after the Warriors shot, what, 45 free throws in a yeah. single game? Yeah, and and so like, after the Russell tussle. Russell getting those calls like, Steph and yeah. Harden. And after, after Russ and, and Lillard kind of got into it there, uh, I felt like Russ had played a pretty good game up to that point, and then he kind of started to, to go downhill. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Dame because Dame locked Russ up last night. 
He 100% did. He played he, great on both he ends. Locked he him up. He embarrassed Russ. I would yeah. argue that he straight up embarrassed Russell yeah. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook last night in game two, five of 20 from the field, one of six Ugh. from three. Uh, only got to the line three times, three of three from the free throw line, nine rebounds, 11 assists, 14 points on 20 shots, uh, and six turnovers, minus 27 on the night. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Not first good. of all, he shouldn't be, shouldn't be, probably shouldn't be shooting six. Uh, six three-pointers, and I think a lot of that, or a couple of those, were those just awful, completely game-disruptive or yeah. flow-disruptive I know uh, a lot of people have said he shouldn't threes. shoot threes. Uh, I disagree. They need to be catching shoot-open threes. He doesn't need to shoot off the dribble, jab-step multiple right. times, yeah, pull-up like threes. Yeah, we know he's going to pull if, that. If, if they're, yeah, if they're, if they're catching shoot-threes like, off some sort of action where like Paul is driving and kicks to him, Pull and that he thing. has to shoot it exactly. Yeah, pull that thing because you have to. You have to make the defense right. come out there, right? If you don't, uh, it, it makes the game so much harder. But I'm with you. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because we talked a lot about how Game One was so good for Russ. It was. It was perfect for us. Yeah, it, the people around him step up. Um, we're we're calling that one of Russ's best playoff games and a. I mean, since the KD era. Yeah, um, I mean, he played great in that game. No, yeah. it, it's not better than game six, or game game five against. Yeah, Utah. you're right. Sorry, you're right. The comeback game, he played yep. incredible down that stretch. But, really uh, but, but yeah, still, game, game I mean, one I, was great, and at two polar opposites, you know. And I will say that I very much appreciate Russ in the post game press conference saying that, you know, I take responsibility for for this loss. This is on me. My play was unacceptable, and, and I got to be better, and I will be better. To me, a bunch of people are comparing that to what he said in Utah last year. Right. Last year in Utah, it wasn't about Russ. It was a, his quote was about Rubio. Like, I'm going to shut that shit off, right? Right. It, it, it wasn't reflective on himself. It was about another player. Last night postgame, I thought Russ was reflective on himself. And said, it, it's, it's nothing to do with Dame. It's nothing to do with CJ. It's with me. I, I hold myself to a higher standard. My game was unacceptable. I'll be better. And I appreciate that, you know, because cause Russ took the ownership rather than, than calling out, like, the opposing point guard. And to me, that I, I appreciate that, and I think that's a good sign. That's really fun. I'm, I love how you brought that up because that's exactly where I was wanting to kind of transition with this is I have here in my notes, you know, it's kind of a glass glass half full perspective on this is that, like you said, Russ embraced it. He recognized it. It wasn't next question uh, outside of Barry Trammell, obviously. But um, yeah, like you said, he accepted it. And what we've seen this season when Russ does this and the first one that comes to my mind just off the top of my head, and there's some others that you guys can surely find. Um, but the first one is obviously after that four game losing streak that they had to start the season and Russ came out and said something similar. And then they go on that big win streak and, or maybe not huge win streak, but they want a win streak and Russ is playing much better. He tends to do that. And I, I think we're going to see a really big game, uh, a, another good game, solid game from Russ as well as the rest of the team come Friday. But I think that's huge. Now, the counter, and, and also I think it's good that he got that game out of the system. I think the earlier the better. Uh, this was kind of bound to happen with him and his personality and this whole thing with Dame. Um, and I think the earlier he learns from that, the better. But I think the counter argument to that is that we much we would have much rather had that game, game one, yeah. and him come out in game two, give us a good chance, and have that perfect game in game two rather than in game one and give us a chance to win on the road before heading to OKC. That could be huge. Definitely. Uh, but at least he got it out of the way early and in time for us to go back on a two-game two homestand um, back home. Definitely. 
All right, let's move on to another theme. We, we're, we're at about 18 minutes in the podcast right now. We're, we're shooting for about 30. Uh, so let's move on to theme three. So we've talked role players slash three-point shooting. We've talked Russ. Um, I guess next let's talk – what are our options left? we got Paul George. Paul George. we got all the fouls that we kind of touched on, uh, but not entirely in depth. And then you talked about the, the poor three-point shooting, and I can kind of go into uh, the construction of this team, just the inconsistency as well. Uh-oh. Now you're starting to dig up my soul. Let's talk about Paul George. Yeah. Let's okay. talk about Paul George. Um, you kind of mentioned it whenever you brought up that theme. He looked good last night. Uh, so I don't know. I, I didn't hear, but... He, he looked better. Yeah. He hit that <laughs> three, and he came back down the court kind of like rolling his shoulder. Yeah. And like I, couldn't tell, I, I couldn't tell if it was like hurting him or if he was like, that was like a form of trash talk. Right. You like, know? oh, my shoulder is fine. Or yeah, exactly. Right. Um, looked, looked comfortable. Didn't look like he was in pain. Um, shoots 11 of 20 from the field. albeit two of seven from three, uh, 27 points yeah. on 20 shots, which is good. Uh, three of four from the line, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, five turnovers, which is not good. Um, that's one thing. We've seen, like, his first season in OKC last year, he seemed to really struggle handling the ball. And he was so much better at it this season, particularly during that hot stretch where his MVP stretch. But last night, he kind of looked like last year's Paul George. Oh, at the start of the, the third quarter, Mo oh, Harkless ripped him, like, two times. straight times. Yeah. Two straight times on the floor. Just straight up ripped it, too. I mean, it wasn't like... And then at the beginning of the game, he was... This might have been some nerves trying to get back into the groove of things, but, I mean, he was forcing some passes. He was lucky he didn't have more turnovers than that because there were so many deflected passes, in the, particularly at the beginning of the game, that I thought, like, man, this yep. isn't the Paul George that, that we need right now. Yep. Um, I did like, though, that he was aggressive in his offense. He got downhill a lot. Um, he even went to the hole, like, yeah. which I was concerned he might not do with that um, shoulder. I talked about this before this series started, and I think it's still a wrinkle the Thunder could do. Um Obviously, they attacked in his cancer in the pick and roll a lot. You you want to talk about about a uh, a two game go, going from good to bad? Uh, Canner had six points, five rebounds last night, and only played twenty minutes. Two of five from the field. No, Perfect. none of those re- five rebounds were offensive, right? So no twenty twenty again huge. for Canner. Um, you know but, what's strange? And I think Mikey brought this up just really really quick. Um, but it seems like Portland was kind of doing something similar to Steven, attacking him in the pick and roll and trying to get them to switch. And get that mismatch. Yeah, yeah. Um, they because the Thunder continually blitz that pick and roll, you know. And yep. I thought whenever Adams was able to contain Lillard or McCollum outside and let the guard catch back up, the defense was good. But whenever Lillard or McCollum were able to turn the corner on Adams, uh, it got very bad. Yeah. Um, so that's an adjustment that'll be interesting to see how how Billy treats that going into game five or uh, game four. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I did three, think, whatever game we're on. <laughs> <laughs> I did think, um, a, a scenario, a, a way the thunder can play to, to continue to attack that is Ennis cancer in the pick and roll. So we just talked about how Steven comes up really high and hedges cause the thunder don't want Damon CJ taking, uh, walk into them threes. Um, Ennis drops back in the pick and roll. Whenever his man sets a screen, whenever Adam sets a screen, Ennis falls back to the rim to protect the rim. So I think one way you can really combat that is you run a Paul George, Stephen Adams pick and roll. That way if Ennis drops and Stephen gets a solid screen on like Aminu or Harkless, uh, that's an open three for Paul George. You know, I love that. And so Ennis then doesn't have the opportunity to drop back. He has to step up 
and then it opens up that rolling lane even more for Steven. For Steven. Um, yep. I, I think that's an interesting wrinkle that the Thunder could do a little bit more. I don't know if there's advanced statistics out there to talk about how many times Paul George handled the ball in the pick and roll last night. But for I know this is kind of getting off topic with our with our theme, but for the bigs for the Trailblazers last night, Canner twenty minutes. Myers Leonard, 15, Zach Collins, 14. And Zach Collins and Myers Leonard seem to play a lot better than uh, than Cantor did. Uh, I can't stand yep. Myers Leonard. I can't either. Can't um, stand but I it. thought, I think, I was listening to the Down to Dunk pod when I was out the gym earlier, and I think Alex and Andrew brought up a good point when they mentioned, like, it doesn't matter who, what, what center you throw out there, when Dame and CJ were going down that stretch, you know, at, it, it made them uh, Collins and um, what's his face? You said his name. Um, Leonard. Yeah, yeah. It made them look much better than they typically would have, I think, whereas they worked like to start the game instead of instead of Enos. Um, I think that had a lot more to do with Dame and CJ than anything else. However, you got to give them credit because they stepped up huge, which is yeah. something our role, role players haven't haven't done like we talked about. So. Yeah. Um, and, and I think maybe the, the last big theme we can touch on is that it just feels like the both teams have their big two, right? Portland's third member of their big three, uh, Nurkic, is out. Both teams have a big two. Um, the Portland Trailblazers' big two have just outplayed the Thunders. Yep, just flat out, flat out, plain and simple. Um, each, I do. Each team I have one more all, question about Paul George. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Well, speaking, speaking of the Thunders' big two, and... So I kind of mentioned this at the very beginning. I was kind of go, going over my my overview, but like he just something about Paul George right now just seems off outside of his shoulder, and even on the defensive end. Like I know CJ and Dame are that explosive and that great, and they're superstars in this league. But I just I don't know. Even uh, earlier in the season, before PG was having these shoulder troubles, it seemed like he was defending much better, and he just seems like a step too slow or a step slower. Uh, on the defensive end, and he he kind of got switched on, or Billy switched him uh, kind of between Lillard and C.J. McCollum all game, off and on all game, and he seemed to struggle uh, guarding them on the drive, particularly early on in the game. I don't know. He just, and I, his game kind of feeds off of each other. You know, if he's playing solid defense or he gets going on the offensive end, he kind of steps up on the defensive end. We've, we've seen that over the past two years, but just something about him right now, I don't know if it's just like another cold streak that's affecting both sides of his game, and it kind of makes me think that because obviously, like that first step on defense and guarding, like playing defense, that, it, that's not affected by your shoulders, really. Yeah. Um, so I almost feel like he's just kind of out of sorts. He just has to find the rhythm of the game again, kind of like he mentioned uh, after game one. Definitely. Uh, so it, it it just feels like the the Portland big two has outplayed the Thunder's big two in both games, you know, and and that's massive. Um, that's how you win NBA playoff basketball games. Portland and the Thunder. Uh, both teams only had three players in double-figure scoring. Uh, Portland had Lillard, McCollum, and Harkless. Thunder had George, Adams, and Westbrook. Uh, you you hope, again, that the Thunder can get a little more contributions from other places. Also, random stat that last time I tried to bring up on the podcast and wasn't able to because the stats weren't up yet. I can bring it up today, though. Last night, game two, Russell Westbrook, 11 assists, 24 potential assists. Ooh. I think that puts him over 50 potential assists for the series. Um, obviously, people are going to have potential assists like when they pass the ball a lot. Uh, but that just shows how many open shots or even just uh, 
decent yeah. shots that Russ is generating for teammates, and yeah. nobody's knocking him down yeah. at all. Um, yeah, you know, Russ, Russ could realistically have two 20 assist games, um, but people just aren't aren't hitting shots, you know. Right. And so that's to me, that's the biggest thing that's got to change. Is like, I I feel like basketball is very much a game of of flow, and when when one side of the court when you struggle on one side it bleeds over to the other and and there's just a lack of rhythm there's a lack of flow and i feel like that's kind of what the thunder are in they're they're yep. they're lacking this this flow this rhythm um and if they can hit some shots it energizes you on the other end and, and it just it spurs your team overall so hopefully and they kind of coming back that. like coming back full circle like you said uh, coming home particularly two games straight is huge when trying to find when a team's trying to find that rhythm because you have the home crowd behind you, you're a little more comfortable. And if you start to see a couple of those shots fall early, whether whether it's Ferguson or um, you know Jeremy or even Schroeder, um, and you get the crowd going behind you, that and you have two straight games of that, like that can be enough to change the tide of a series or and and kind of right the ship for your team, yeah. um, for lack of a better term, you know? So uh, like you said, I think it is huge that they're coming home right now. Um, and this series isn't completely over as as awful as it seemed the past as, as yeah. terrible as outlook has seemed well, let you know, me, the after the just to tell thunder fans you know a few years ago the thunder went down to san antonio and lost back-to-back games and looked hopeless and they came home and they won a game three and then they grinded out a game four and they ended up winning the series in six so it's possible it's possible they have the team to do it um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. So Taylor, before we get out of here, uh, hit me with your game three prediction. My game three prediction, and I'll just briefly kind of give you uh, an overview of what I, how I feel like the rest of the series is going to go. I think and I put this in the Slack earlier today, so I'm basically going to say what I said there, word for word. I think game three is going to be the best game of the series. We see the Thunder play, win or lose the series. Um, I think they're going to come out, and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Portland by like anywhere from 8 to 12 points. Uh, I think they're going to play a really solid game on both ends of the ball. Russ is going to play much better. Then I think that makes that next home game potentially one of the biggest of the series. Um, they're going to have to come out. So I think it's going to be much closer. And they're obviously gonna, going to have to continue to make shots. Hopefully they just carry that momentum over from game three. And after that, we're just going to be trading punches until the end of the series. Um, you know, going away, coming home, if they can win that. Um, it's going to be very important for them to play with some consistency and find some consistency, which is something huge um, that we, we've lacked since All-Star break. So that's kind of my my overall outlook for the rest of the series. Very good. I uh, I got the Thunder winning game three. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Thunder will come out very fired up, very energetic. I think the defense will be good. I think they'll hit some shots. I've got the Thunder winning game three on Friday, uh, which, uh, like you said, makes game four absolutely pivotal. Uh, if the Thunder slip up and lose game four and go back to Portland down 3-1, uh, it's just that, about over. That's a scary proposition. If they can tie it up 2-2 and, and protect their home court, going back to Portland for a game five with the momentum, uh, with the series tied, that Portland fan base will be absolutely rabid. Yep. Um, and, and it becomes interesting because then if Portland wins game five, then, then you're coming back home for a potential closeout. Uh, you don't want that to happen. So, like, I, I kind of... It becomes a game of chess at that point, right? Yeah, I can, le- I can legit see both teams like protecting home court, and then a game seven in Portland scares the shit out of me. Exactly. So exactly. All right, Taylor, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, let's uh, let everybody know what we have coming up 
tomorrow, Thursday, we'll be dropping another pod uh, with a special guest. We'll announce that on Twitter here pretty soon. So make sure you're following us, following us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. I think it'll just be Nick and I on the podcast tomorrow with the guest. Then Friday, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, we have Thunder versus Portland in Oklahoma City. Uh, whole uncontested squad will be at the game. Make sure you follow Nick that night uh, at Crane, C-R-A-I-N-N-B-A. He's media credentialed. He'll be down on press row. He'll be in the locker room pre- and post-game. So you get some good stuff from Nick that night. And then post-game, game three, Taylor, Justin, probably Kamiar, and myself will all be doing a post-game pod after being at the game live. So we'll be able to talk about the crowd a little bit as well. Make sure you follow Taylor on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. I am at ThunderMob405. Also, go drop a rating on iTunes for us. We're up to 77 ratings on iTunes. We'd love to see that number get to 100 because we're Thunder fans and we like round numbers. So, uh, hey, appreciate you guys. Thanks for checking us out. We will talk to you again multiple times over the next few days. Have a great rest of your week. Don't dwell too much on the loss, and we will see you guys later. Thunder up.